Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Free From Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, super producer, Ian Stimson. Ian, we go without Chuck again. It's been a few weeks since all three of us were on. Just a crazy, crazy, crazy month. But how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I think since since Chuck lost the 100% tag, it's now become... He's lost his commitment. He doesn't... Swans <laughs> off to Sicily. Sicily! I know. He's, he, he bails for Paris, having fun at Disney. He bails for Sicily, having fun at an erupting volcano. Just all sorts <laughs> of... Uh, adventures and shenanigans for chuck some sort of wealthy gadabout just oh he's he's living his dream to become a mafia don i'm sure yeah well let's not talk about that just in case um (laughs) wanted to say thank you for everyone who sent me warm wishes and well regards uh i'm feeling much better this week i'm happy to be back and uh good thank you as well to the one and only jeff petter for filling in and uh bringing a unique perspective (laughs) i knew you were gonna say say unique (laughs) I will be as nice as possible. He did a great job. No, honestly, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you filling in for me. Um, we did not get anyone this week because I wanted some, you know, some private time. Some just me and you, Ian. Uh, mm-hmm. You and whoever else is listening. Uh, let's check in on Posh Island. It's been a minute. How's, how are you guys doing? There's no truck here. There's no, you know, we got, it's just me and you all week. Let's go. Do you know what? I, I'm well aware that I swing wildly between despair and jubilation on Posh Island. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, Tricky. It's a tricky island um, to navigate, but back-to-back wins. Oh, Hull City, we beat them, and uh, then QPR. Who would have thought it? Uh, QPR. Queens Park Raisins themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, we're now so we're now in the heady heights of twentieth in the nosebleeds. All right, but that for the rec for our uh, non-championship, non-pyramid loving listeners, aka the Americans, twentieth <laughs> uh, is not last place in the championship. I believe, right? That's above the relegation zone. It's a very good point. I haven't thought about that ever. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the championship is twenty four teams. Bottom three you get relegated. Uh, so that puts us a couple of places above. A mere six or seven points off the playoffs, Oscar. There you That's go. how tight the championship is. There you so, go. You know. and, and well above uh, in, insanely points deducted team that starts yep. with a W, I think. No, D Derby. <laughs> D uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> But they're 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 managed by Wayne, so you know. There you nearly. go. That's what I, that's probably what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> I'm glad that it's going well because I did not know how it was going at Posh Island. I didn't bother looking it up ahead of time. So why would you? Why would you? Two um, wins in no, a row. Good. It's good. It's good. It's good times. I, I predicted we'd finish 19th, so we're about where I thought. All right. Well, you know, staying up is good. You know, first season up can't go double staying promotion. That's hard good. to do. So you know, yeah. just surviving <laughs> is probably a good goal. Exactly. Yeah. Premier League next year, maybe. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We are very happy to have you. We are one American and usually two Brits. And we try to talk about the Premier League, but mostly get distracted and go off topic. Uh, But we do like to kick things off around here with our very famous segment. And that is rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Uh, first of all, shout out to Chuck for doing his best American newscaster impression last week. That really brought a smile to my face. Do you know what? I was so close to pitching him down as well and get it oh, even yeah? more. Well, he does have a little baby voice. It's pretty high up there. You know, it was like Tweety Bird doing the rapid fire news. Oh, he's going to hate that joke. Uh, yep. <laughs> our top story this evening, we'll start with something nice. Uh, Walter Tull, one of English football's first black players, has been posthumously inducted into the National Football Museum's Hall of Fame. Tull signed for Tottenham in 1909. Ian, do you remember that? 
<laughs> this is mm-hmm. just an excuse to get that in, wasn't it? Jesus yeah, God. no, actually, I just thought of it just now in the moment. Um, <laughs> okay. Toll signed for Tottenham in 1909 before moving to Northampton Town two years later. He played more than 100 games for the Cobblers between 1911 and 1914 before dying aged 29 during World War I. Uh, as a family, we are absolutely delighted on behalf of Walter, said Toll's great nephew, Edward Finlayson. Um, obviously, then it goes into all the various uh, forms of racial abuse that Tull was uh, subjected to throughout his career as one of the first black players. That does not come as a surprise, but, you know, it's really nice to see someone important historically recognized like that into the National Hall of Fame. Ian, any thoughts on Mr. Tull? Well, other than the fact that he played for Northampton Town, which is a horrible rival of Peterborough, so, you know... That's that. That aside, I'll allow it. <laughs> oh, good! How gracious! <laughs> the very definition of white privilege. Yeah. Uh, breaking news: uh, middle-aged white man allows black person to get award <laughs> to be recognised. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, undoubtedly, a good thing. How big is the National Football Museum Hall of Fame? Is that like a over here? The Hall of Fames are fairly important and large. Like, is that big over there? I have to say, it, it's not. It's not something I was particularly aware of. But ultimately, what what can you do other than recognise people like this as best you can? You know. So yeah, I mean, it's it's not something that's particularly well known. But if you're going to go to the football museum, then at least you're going to see the name of someone and think, well, what you know, who was he? What did he do? And look into it, hopefully, because as you say, that's that's. Can you imagine? You know, knowing how bad it is now. Can you imagine, you know, what what he would have been subject to, or just probably even just with teammates? Do you know what I mean? Oh, would yeah, have been, absolutely. Yeah, it would it it would have been pretty awful, I imagine. So, hundred uh, percent. You know, the guy was in the military as well, so it's you know, let's not uh, be worrying about Britishness, shall we? I mean, no, come and, on. and I am actually, I didn't close the tab for once, uh, <laughs> so I do have it still in front of me. And apparently, he was tri- quite the trailblazer in the military. Uh, world as well. He became Britain's first black army officer to command white troops wow. uh, and was recommended for a military cross, a medal for gallantry, but did not get to receive it as he was shot on the battlefields of France. But obviously a very, very, very cool historical figure, someone to definitely read up on. Um, if anyone has any recommendations on like a biography about him or anything, we'd love to hear that and promote that on the pod. But yeah, Walter Tull, incredible person, uh, historical figure. So Shout out to that happening. Well, I'll tell you what, apparently, I'm sorry, I'm just looking out now because I'm woefully uneducated on this, but I'm just looking out now. Apparently there is a uh, animated film that, that was done five years ago about his life that was nominated for a children's BAFTA. Amazing. So, like a, a children's film, of uh, Walter Tull, Britain's first black officer. So, I mean, that might be worth checking out, especially if it was yeah. nominated for a BAFTA. It must be, it must be decent. Absolutely. That's definitely good that uh, you found that. So thank you. Good stuff. Uh, check that out, everybody. That sounds dope. Uh, what's it available on? Does it say like streaming? I don't know. I'll have to look that up though, because I wouldn't mind. Yeah, that'd be a good one to show to Finley. I mean, that's that sounds like the sort of thing we should be doing. So yeah, I will look that up. Yeah, awesome. And we'll share out that link on the pod account Twitter as well when we have it uh, after we're done recording. So very good stuff. Um, from very good stuff, let's move on to a bunch of very bad stuff because that's just how the news is these days. I tried real hard to find good ones. Yeah. There's a lot of sad ones. Uh, so let's go first to Real Madrid striker Karim Benzema has gone on trial in France, accused of complicitness or complicity in an attempt to blackmail fellow footballer Matthew Valbuena over a sex tape found on his phone. 
Uh, he has, quote, he has ridiculed the charge against him as, quote, a masquerade and did not appear at the court in Versailles. Uh, the case dates back to June 2015 when the two footballers were at a France training camp and the saga rocked French football and both players lost their places in the team. Uh, I can't remember the last time that I knew of a footballer being on trial for blackmail in the case of a sex tape against his teammate. Do you, Ian, or is this <laughs> no, first no. of first Can't of the say kind? It's happened at posh. No. Um, yeah, this seems absolutely insane. I mean, what's the what's the potential sentence here if he if he gets found guilty? Ten, ten months in prison and a seventy five thousand euro fine. Yep. I mean, yep. you could actually get in prison for that, which obviously, you know, ultimately this sounds like revenge porn sex offence, you know, so it yeah, needs no, to pretty, be dealt uh, with, you know. Yeah, it's more, I think, a question of how complicit he was versus, like, whether yeah. this offence happened against Matteo Valbuena. Um, yeah. I think that, that that might be the minimum sentence as well, because the article I'm seeing says up to five years in jail. Right. So, uh Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Um, we will not comment on the legality of that or, you know, his involvement or anything other than a developing story to keep your eye on. But, you know, not often that you hear of a footballer on trial for sex offenses. Not yeah, often. Yeah, such a high I level. Say. I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stuff. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, moving on to another, you know, not fun story. Uh, and that is that Joey Barton has been told to consider his future as Bristol Rovers manager after comparing a poor performance by his side to the Holocaust. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Joey fucking Barton, of course. Uh, Bristol councillor Fabian Breckles, an associate member of the Jewish labor movement, said the former England player's comments were appalling. Um, and he also criticized the club, which so far have refused to comment on Mr. Barton's comparison. Uh, and he said that they ought to consider a response fairly soon other people have come out and said that it was awful i'm not going to get into what joey barton actually said but generally speaking you know calling comparing a poor performance to the holocaust is a bit fucking ridiculous so i'm glad that somebody's calling him out he's been a fucking piece of shit for a long long time joey barton has um yeah yeah 100 percent. this is the thing how many chances does this guy need before you just write him off and go you you shouldn't get a job in the public eye ever again i mean it, it really i think his chances ran out years ago but i mean to do something like this and not we i mean i'm not saying i've ever said this but we all say things we like in the heat of the moment we don't mean but if you say something like this you can immediately row back on it if you want you know you can immediately go that was an outrageous thing to say i didn't mean that but to not even do that and then and the yeah, club I, to not come out and say anything like how fucking easy for is, is the club to be like wow he really shouldn't have said that we are now putting him in some sort of like if you don't want to yeah. fire him at least like say like oh we've enrolled him in an education course or something like yeah. just just any bare minimum of anything like fuck everyone involved in remain that. completely silent is just just he can get in the bin. He's he's awful, awful human being, and this is just further proof that wasn't required. Yeah, pretty much spot on. I guess we're completely in agreement on that, which is zero surprise. Uh, but let's move on to a club that is actually doing something for once, which is very, very, very conflicting because of who it is. But Newcastle United have asked fans not to wear traditional Arab clothing or Middle East inspired head coverings at matches following the Saudi Arabian led takeover of the club. Some Magpie supporters wore the clothing when gathering outside St. James's Park to celebrate the takeover. Similar attire was also seen against Tottenham in the club's first home game under the new owners. 
No one in the new ownership group was in any way offended, said the club. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a gesture that was acknowledged as positive and welcoming in its intent. Doesn't matter. Intent, not the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, However, there remains the possibility that dressing this way remains is the possibility that dressing in this way is culturally inappropriate and risks causing offense to others. Can you, like, tread the line any closer there? I don't really think so, but, you know. Uh, Newcastle United is kindly asking supporters to refrain from wearing traditional Arabic clothing at matches if they would not ordinarily wear such attire. Good caveat there. Um, Just don't, like, come on. Fucking come on, people. Be, like... It's complicated with people coming into your club and having money, and I get it. We talked about that. And for the record, I do want to say, listening back to that episode, I felt like I didn't come out strongly enough against human injustices and, like, war crimes and stuff. (laughs) Like, just very fucking clearly, like, the Newcastle, the new Newcastle owners are bad people and, like, condemn them and the way that they live, right? Like, I just wanted to, I want, other than saying Saudi Arabia bad, war crimes and human rights violations bad, I didn't really know enough to speak more intelligently beyond that, but... Obviously, we're against it, um, but equally fucking against. Like, come on, man! It's 2021. How do you not realize that you shouldn't be like putting on a racially, I don't know, driven caricature costume? You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't, yeah. don't put on blackface. Don't dress up as an Arab because, like, even if you mean it as a good thing, like, fuck, come on, man! Give me a fucking break. Yeah, it's a real worry, isn't it, that people think that's in any way appropriate. Um, I do also think the club might have come out before the first home game because they knew it was going to happen because of the scenes outside the ground when the takeover happened. So it, it might have been a good idea to maybe get that statement out before the first home game. Yeah, just a bit. Just know. a bit. But I think people were just trying to get in the papers and stuff, but it's not not for the right reasons. Don't do that. No. Equally so, I do want to say, um, while much, much less sort of obviously bad of a action and situation there. There is a banner that I think was at the Palace versus Newcastle game and is apparently going to be making its way around at different matches that features a caricature of not a generic Arab person, but specifically the new owner. Um, And people are like, oh, well, you know, it's not a generic racist cartoon. It's like this specific guy. It still has pretty like exaggerated features in racially problematic ways. And, like, you can have a poster and a banner that, like, goes against what Newcastle are. Obviously, that's a good thing to be like, these human rights violations are bad. You should not like these owners Mm. without having a caricature on there. Even if it is a caricature of a specific person and not a generic, like, you know, whatever cartoon. Yeah. you got to be very careful what you're poking fun at there. I mean, it's just... And if if there's any doubt, don't fucking do it. It's just, you know... Yeah, intentional, unintentional... Like, yeah. I get it, you know, whatever. Obviously, that's a good intent, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can get that message across without having a caricature of either a generic Arab person or a specific Arab person with exaggerated features. That's yeah. all I would say. Let's make sure your satire is hitting the right mark. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, shall we get to the actual football? Because there was a lot of good stuff this week. There certainly was, wasn't there? I mean, I called last week's episode uh, Premier League Goal Fest. Fuck me, this is just going to be part two, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, this, yeah. time, this time it's personal, whatever, we'll figure that out. <laughs> there you go, there's your episode title, write that down. <laughs> Goal Fest 2, this time it's personal. Um, let's start with Friday. Arsenal did well, so we should briefly touch on that. Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 2.7 to Aston Villa's 1.4 on XG, so exactly a 3-1 scoreline when you round to the nearest whole numbers. 
Uh, probably Arsenal's best performance, perhaps under Arteta full stop, certainly in a while. Um, I thought they looked very good. I don't have any thoughts beyond that. But uh, do you have any thoughts on Arsenal being good? Well, no, not particularly other than um, Smith Rowe, really good. I think yep. he's he's coming through really nicely. Uh, not not at all influenced by the fact that I bought him last week in fantasy football, so very happy okay. with that. I also yep, put a yep. £5 free bet on him to score this week, so that went very well. There you go. Um, just influenced by that slightly. But um, he does look really good. I think this is w- uh, another game where you're, you're left with, and we'll have, probably have a couple of these uh, this week, but you're left with a team who put in a really good performance against a team that put in another bad performance. You know, we're looking at, Mm -hmm. it was literally that simple, I think. Aston Villa did what they've been doing a lot lately. And we said that Villa, with the players they've got, when it clicks, it will be good. But it's taking too long to click. It it really is. And they're going to find themselves in trouble if it doesn't click soon. And with their players, their fans will have a right to be pretty upset about it um yeah with losing Grealish like they really needed to do a good job of recruiting on paper it looked like they may or may not have certainly I said I think my line was that it looks like someone looked at a spreadsheet and filled in all the holes that Jack Grealish had left behind yeah across players um which is a reasonable target it's hard to do obviously we've seen that with Spurs when Bale left etc but um it's not going so well so far let's say that uh Villa currently in 15th Unexpected goal difference per 90, which is not that far above the relegation zone on underlying numbers. Uh, And not looking good, 13th on actual numbers. Uh, But I don't want to completely ignore Arsenal here, because you're right, Villa were shit. Um, Arsenal, I saw Adam saying, the extent of my Arsenal analysis is uh, whatever Adam says on Twitter and his his, like tweets. Um, And I think he said it was a switch back to 4-4-2 with Aubameyang and Lacazette up front. Um, and obviously, obviously ESR doing his thing and shining mm. in that system as well. Uh, do we see this being potentially the key to success going forward for Arteta? Was it just like a happenstance that playing the two of them out there this time made sense? Can they even make that like their main strategy long term with those guys being as old as they are? Like, what do you, what do you kind of think about Arsenal there? The the problem is, and and as you know, I'm not a sort of tactical whiz uh, when it comes to football, but for me. This was more about individuals firing where they've not fired before. Mm-hmm. So I, okay. I don't know how much of it was about about the system, but and how much of it was about Smith Rowe making himself, you know, everywhere. He was really good. Abamian playing playing well. I, I think, it, yeah, it just felt for me more about individuals finding their feet and going, "Oh, we're we're better than this team," and you know, we we should be. <laughs> should be beating Villa. I'm not sure how true that is, but I just mean certainly at the minute with Villa's form not being great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one for me. I don't. I'm I'm not fully sold on Arsenal yet because I see them similar to Spurs in their sort of up and down form. So having said that, they're they're unbeaten in the Premier League in what is it five now, maybe more. So you know, maybe I should be a bit higher up on. Uh, on Arsenal, but yeah, we'll see. Well, is still the. I mean, I think we ought to maybe acknowledge as well because you mentioned before about uh, what we thought of Villa's transfer window. We were pretty scathing, me especially, I think. But uh, on on Arsenal, no, I trans- was too. transfer window. <laughs> of course, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Do we reassess 
any no. point yet? You're still no. not happy with no. the money spent for Ben White? No. Nope. Ramsdale, Ramsdale's good. We've got to, Surely we have to concede Ramsdale. Definitely not. <laughs> nope. Uh, okay. here, here's why. It's very, very, very easy. Uh, they are 13th on underlying numbers behind said Tottenham Hotspurs, who have been absolute dog shit this year at 12th on the underlying okay. numbers. So, okay. you know, especially after a nine-game sample size, 10 games is sort of the magic number where you're like, yes, okay, 100%. This season's XG, we don't need to look at any like data from last season, really. Like, this predicts what the rest of the table is going to look like by the end of the year. So Arsenal being 13th on underlying numbers after nine games, yeah, no, still bad. No. Okay. So, I was just trying to be nice, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I would say about Arsenal's system is that it sort of playing the two up properly up top. It did mean that there was none of that isolation you get from the one man up top. It, do you know what I mean? Arsenal yeah, felt yeah, a bit yeah. disconnected from their strikers sometimes. That that didn't happen in this game. It was a, it was more fluid uh, between midfield and attack. I think, but again, I don't know how much of that was Smith Rowe and Bamiyang working. Well, I don't know, but it, it, right. you know, we'll see. We'll see. To me, this was probably a case of broken clock, you know, is wrong. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is right yeah. twice a day or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, those aging sp- oh, those aging stars were really fucking good at some point. And so they'll just, you know, randomly pop out one of those types of performances once in a while. But yeah, uh, from one team that just kind of beat a team that's not good to another, although a bit of a stronger result here, we had Chelsea 7. <laughs> <laughs> Norwich 0 Chelsea 3.2 to Norwich is 0.2 on XG uh this is Chelsea's biggest win in the domestic top flight since 2012 when they beat Villa 8-0 and then before that um <laughs> okay within... I thought you were going to say a lot longer that's no no, that's... no no and then in the that amazing 2009-2010 season which was the first yeah. English team to break 100 goals uh, they did an 8-0 on the last day of the season and then a 7-0 like two games before that. Um, but those are the biggest wins ever for Chelsea. So 7-0 is their second biggest scoreline on the domestic top flight. They did a 13-0 against some random scrub team in a random cup competition in the 70s. So like, yeah. you know, not counting that. Um, <laughs> pretty fucking great to watch Chelsea put seven against a very terrible Norwich team. Notably for me, Lukaku and Werner being uh, injured. In the Champions League match midweek, which we also looked really good in against the worst team, 4-0 there, um, and spanked them on XG. Um, that's, you know, certainly an angle to talk about. But Chelsea putting a good team, uh, not a good team, oof, no, Chelsea putting a team <laughs> to the sword <laughs> comprehensively with a 3.2 to 0.2. And that's not just because of the red card. They were already fucking smashing it before then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Feels pretty fucking nice. Um Norwich are shit. We don't need to talk about that. They done been shit. They're probably the worst team in the league. In the league. So, like, whatever. Uh, but give me your general impressions of this match. How do you feel about Chelsea, about the result, about the scores, about the goals, anything? What, what's your kind of reaction here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know how you react to a, to such a shellacking. Um, I don't know what this, where this ranks on the Chuck scale. I mean, uh, Norwich now relegated to League Two. And I don't know. I don't think what Daniel Farker has to do. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean... Honestly, it was, yeah, it was just quite something to watch, wasn't it? Because it, it this was a case of, we said uh, Watford didn't turn up against uh, Liverpool the other week. It it was training ground stuff. It was like, you're not you're not even playing against your second 11. It was your third 11. It was bring, bringing the kids in. Norwich were offered absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, and could not 
keep keep you out at all. And considering, like you say, you're you know you're without Lukaku, you're without Verne, you're without Pulisic. You know, um, it's just it's just unbelievable the gap between the team that might finish first and the team that might finish twentieth. It was a huge gap, and as you say, even before the sending off, uh, where Ben Gibson just I think forgot it had a yellow. But the <laughs> just totally forgot. I mean, why would you do or that? He, he wanted to get an early start on well, the locker. He was like, "Fuck this, I'm going home." <laughs> that is very possible. Actually, I hadn't even considered that. Imagine that. Just fuck this. This I'm is just some gonna... bullshit. I'm out of here. Up, fuck let's you guys. go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. But what was? And I was um, watching this with um, with Kelly, and um, it's funny actually because there were a, a couple of games. This the the game we'll talk about later, Man United Liverpool, where. Uh, even a non-football fan can go. Fuck me! What's happening here? You know, Kelly was yeah. Kelly was watching this because it was like goal after goal. You know, and um, but something I said to her was, um, look at uh, Tukal or Tukal went different accent there. Look at look at Tommy Tukes <laughs> there. He is he, like when Hudson O'Doy or whatever didn't get into positions he wanted him to, or or. Reese James didn't quite make a tackle that he thought was required. He was absolutely going in on them. Yep. And they were 4-0 up when I saw his particular rant at someone. I can't remember who it was. And he was losing his mind at the side of the of the touchline, you know. I mean, the standards that guy must demand. Well, that, there's levels <laughs> to this shit. I mean, this is like a couple of weeks ago when I was like, I don't know, I'm not too happy as a Chelsea fan. And you guys were like, shut the fuck up. You conceded <laughs> one goal all season. What are you talking about? And well, I'm like, no, we're not aiming to just be in first place. We're aiming to be the best team in the world. So like, that's the difference there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it makes sense to me. That's what I love about Tommy Tukes. It's like, there's some problems that I'm starting to have with him. We're getting to that phase of the relationship. Um, but fuck, I love how much of a perfectionist he is because fuck yeah, look how much money we spent. Look who we are. Like, we should be beating these motherfuckers 7-0. That makes sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is good. This is a good thing. To throw some more numbers out there at you, 63% possession, uh, 22 shots to 3, um, 763 touches to 494, uh, 5 corners to 0, and um, yeah, that's that's really it. <laughs> I, the more I think about what you said about Ben Gibson, the more it makes sense. <laughs> Just <laughs> that level of, of domination in a match. You know, you've you've got up early on your Saturday. <laughs> you just don't want to deal with that shit. Fucking hell. Oh, Chilwell getting another goal as well. Yeah, this was a, a good performance for the uh, the English boys. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've only just realised that. Yeah, look at that. Just to run you through the list of goals in order, we had Mason Mount, Callum, Reese, uh, Chile, Mason Mount again, and Mason Mount again. So mostly academy guys and one young uh, sir named Ben Chilwell. So full English run out there. Um, is that the story here? Is like look at all these English boys. Look at the Chelsea academy like really coming through. Well, the uh, the own goal was also scored by an Englishman as well. Let's not forget that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, it it doesn't hurt, does it? I, I, it's funny because obviously Chelsea's you know big thing for years now, even with Man City, has been. You know, the Russian billionaire owner and buying success. Let's not pretend any other club doesn't buy success. You know, that's ridiculous. But, right. you know, yeah, to, to have so many English players smashing in goals. I mean, I don't I don't dislike that at all. I'm perfectly happy with it. It was lovely to see Mount was, 
uh, like a kid at the end of the uh, of the game, like with the the hat trick ball and bouncing it against the camera. And just he just looks so happy. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't scored for a while, has he? But it was he couldn't have been more delighted. And I think he did well to slot the second penalty away, considering his first effort was a bit tame. A bit um, tame. Well, <laughs> yeah, very tame. tame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he did well. I mean, it was it was good to see. I think you've you've set yourself up uh, nicely now. Who've you got? I mean, you've got Newcastle, Burnley, Leicester. I mean, they're three easily winnable. I, I stopped at Man United because it was red on the ticker, but I shouldn't. Man United, Watford. <laughs> I mean, God. Well, it depends you. who's managing them by then. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, they have <laughs> the pieces. Just not. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Mason Mount is definitely part of the story here. At least for me, um, he's been a huge part of what's been missing for our like mm. less than stellar performances, despite the results uh, this far into the season, he comes back into the team. He's back getting major minutes and we look light years better. I don't think that's a coincidence. I really think that he injects a lot of pace into the game. He gets it back and he's always looking to pass. He's always looking to receive a pass. He really drives up the tempo when he's on the pitch. Uh, and we have looked much better. I believe this is his first senior hat trick if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Which, congratulations to him, because that's fucking great. Um, and I think big picture-wise, that's definitely part of it. It's just like how much better we look with Mount around. Um, and especially since Chile and Reese have been getting more minutes. Chile more so. Reese only just started to come back in. Not that not that Alonso has played poorly by any means at all. But I don't know. There's just a certain added sort of zip when those guys are around. And then I do think the other half of that is also the 3 4 2 one because, you know, I said this before the match. I literally texted you guys. I felt like a fucking prophet because I texted you and Chuck and was like, oh, Lukaku's out. We're probably going to see Kai at the false nine. We're going to probably see him flanked by Mount and like Callum or Ziyech. And we're yeah. going to win 7-0. And I literally said 7-0. <laughs> and that's how it went. Is it troubling that we kind of look better with Lukaku off the pitch than on the pitch? Is that something that worries you at all? I don't know. I just I feel like it will come. I think Lukaku's too good, and I think your your strength in every position is too good. I think I think you will sort it out. And with this little run, which I think you should come out with a massive amount of points. I don't see how Chelsea don't go into December uh, top, possibly a good few points clear. Um, and mm, nom nom nom. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I genuinely do. I think I think you could you could easily go into Christmas uh, double points clear. It's possible because other teams seem happy to. Well, apart from Liverpool, and we'll get onto them. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I just think because of the place you are, the fixture run you've got, um, and the fact that I think things will click into place. Because even when they're not clicking into place, you're getting results and you're getting clean sheets. So I think if they can figure if they can figure this Lukaku thing out, which I've got, um, I have got faith in Tommy Tuchel because uh, he is quickly becoming a favourite manager of mine because of that sort of perfectionism, uh, the, the screaming on the touchline. I absolutely loved it. You know, I, I can't get enough of that. Just just striving for perfectionism is just brilliant. So I think you're in good shape. I understand. The worries, especially when we sort of look at Liverpool, who are looking more and more convincing all the time. Mm -hmm. I think you, you, you know, you had the early game this Saturday, and you won it so convincingly. So for the rest of the the, the game week, 
you were four points clear, no one could touch you. And you just I just think you can you'll probably be in that position quite a lot because I think you will easily beat the next three, four, five you've got in front of you. Yeah, one hopes. Um if we're playing to our level, then the only two teams who should give us any problem at all, on average, obviously like that's not to say we we should go hundred percent the rest of the season because things happen. Mm-hmm. But there's only two teams in the league that can give us any sort of problem. So we should be getting maximum points in most situations. Uh, for the record, I want to just say I'm not criticizing Lukaku. I think he's executing tactical instructions. And I think Lukaku is an amazing, amazingly talented player. Yeah. But the fact that the tactical instructions that he is getting and the way that team looks every time he is on the pitch because of those tactical decisions by Tommy Tukes is mildly concerning. I'd love for us to look this comprehensive with him on the pitch. That's kind of the last little missing piece that I'm looking for. Yeah. For us, but it feels it does feel absolutely delightful to be in first place. Our underlying numbers, this obviously helped a lot. Um, so we are up to now third on underlying numbers. Um, still pretty far behind the other two, but if we're turning it around, it is nice to know that at least if you run like this would this would have been our starting eleven at some point last season. Maybe mm. switch out, you know, Callum for Timo if he's healthy. We switch back to the old system, old players, and just fucking smash seven zero Nord. So that's in there. We just kind of sort out the new stuff. Yeah, and that won't be that won't go unnoticed by uh, TT, will it? It will. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he's not he's not an idiot. This will not go unnoticed. He will try and integrate things as he goes. He's still what a calendar year in the job. How long's how long's it been? Uh, yeah, January. Not even. Okay, so not even. You know, so you know, we're still. We're still in relatively early stages of Champions League winner Tommy Tukes. <laughs> yeah, we're at the halfway so, mark if he stays on average of the well, Chelsea managers. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think I think we've got we've got time. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, just really happy with that. You get, you can't be in a bad mood after a seven zero. So no. woohoo! Um, let's see. Leeds one, Wolves one. Do you care? I don't care. Do you have thoughts on this? No, I, don't have I mean, thoughts on this. I will keep it incredibly brief. Uh, it was it was a, a penalty that saved Leeds from going down to Wolves. I do wonder about them at the minute because I think I read somewhere that last week's game uh, was the first time that Leeds had been outrun in the Premier League. Um, and that's the thing. I, I think it, it does seem to be coinciding uh, with, you know, a bit of a bad time for for Leeds. So I don't know, it's what it's one to it's one to watch there. Um because they they were lucky to get the point against Wolves. So it's a bit of a bit of a shame because we're Leeds stands here, but you know, it's it needs to it needs to change. But of course, you know, they've got Norwich next, so should so be fine. Seven zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Should exactly. be fine. <laughs> Nothing better for the soul. No better tonic yeah. than Norwich City. <laughs> exactly. Um Burnley did a Burnley against Southampton. I have zero thoughts about either of these teams, but Burnley doing a Burnley is always kind of amusing, I guess. Mm. Where are they on the table? I, uh, I couldn't are, even remotely tell you. <laughs> they are in the relegation zone. They are Both? But Burnley, sorry, Burnley are. I thought we were just talking specifically about Burnley. Uh, okay, Burnley, okay, okay. Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, uh, all yet to win. Ooh, I would love if those were the three that went down. That would make me bring happiness, much of the joy, to me. <laughs> Burnley at 17th on the underlying numbers and Leeds at 16th on the underlying numbers. So yeah, it's not good for either, is it? Very much yeah. what you are seeing as well. Southampton, man, Southampton shout out, are uh, the last team with a positive expected goal difference. 
above, uh, slightly above Manchester United, Tottenham, and Arsenal. So Southampton for the Super League, I guess. Is that expected goal difference? Yeah, so underlying numbers. <laughs> okay, basically. sorry. Yeah, yeah. They are above that. Manchester United, Tottenham, and Arsenal on underlying numbers. Southampton. Wow. Um, okay. So feel really fucking shitty about yourselves, all three of those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> feel bad inside. Yeah. Cry. Cry to sleep. Um, Everton 2, Watford 5? What the fuck? fuck? I was watching Palace here. What the fuck happened? How did Watford score 5? 3.2 to 2.3 on XG. Yeah, this was nuts. I, I And it all happened... Very these numbers. <laughs> what are you looking at? I'm pulling up all of the numbers. 50-50 on possession, 15 shots on target to 20 shots on target. <laughs> I thought you'd seen something particularly surprising. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a weird one. It all seemed to happen in the last uh what was it? 15 minutes or so. Um, oh yeah, wow. 78th yeah. minute, 80th minute, 86th minute, 90th plus 1. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> wow. crazy. Everton were up 2-1 at the 80th and lost 5-2. <laughs> yeah, imagine how happy Benitez is going to be with his defenders there. It was, yeah, it was pretty poor. Um, they, I don't know, Benitez just seemed to, well, I, I was about to say he didn't seem to react to anything, but how can you react to that? I mean, it's... It's, yeah, it's too late at that it's, point. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I was I was <laughs> facing my eye the wrong way, but I mean, it did seem like as soon as he brought Gray off, that the team just absolutely collapsed. Um, but I, I think that's too simplistic. It was it was just the defense just didn't seem to know what they were doing. They completely switched off for for every goal. It seemed. I mean, there was some, you know, you you can't. The XG tells you that they weren't uh, tap-ins or anything, but. It's just, it wasn't good. And and Everton, another team that just, you don't know which one's going to turn up. Really yeah. strange, man. It's just like, how could you have pre- predicted this after what happened last week? I mean, the, this new manager bounce came really fucking late, like in the, the second game in the last 15 minutes. Just, yeah, very, very odd game, this one. But I, so I don't know what to make of... I don't know what to make of either team. I mean, I still think Watford are going to really struggle this this season. But well, let's see what the underlying numbers say. Yeah, please do. Uh, Watford <laughs> are 18th on underlying numbers, so you're correct. They're going to struggle. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, because they're shit. They're actually below Burnley, even. Uh, Everton, surprisingly, in 6th on the underlying numbers so I guess they're having a better season than anybody's this, noticed this is this is the thing I think I've been relatively impressed with them but this was a total switching off I mean yeah I think for the last goal Pickford get, gave up shouting at them because it was just like he was furious at some of the positioning and then he just I just think he gave up he was just like oh fuck's sake you know what, what, what can we do so yeah, very very odd from Everton in this game. I assume it's just a one-off and a, a, a like I say a belated new manager bounce and some of these players realizing that they might, you know, they might want to play for this new manager. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit of an anchorman situation as well. I would say anchorman fight here just got out of hand really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> just boom! All of a sudden, four goals got scored back to back. Let's move on to another late goal, leading to a disappointing result for the home team. And that was Crystal Palace 1, Newcastle 1, Crystal Palace 1.7 to Newcastle's 0.4, which means, Mr. Simpson, please cue the jingle here. Ooh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley out of the week. Yeah, sorry, Chuck, sorry to have to tell you this. Uh, the 
XG scoreline would have had it at 2-0, and Crystal Palace more than tripled Newcastle's XG and then finished with a 1-1 after a very, very late equalizer. Um, this kind of keeps happening to Palace. Uh, so what I will say to Chuck, <laughs> to, as our probably one of a handful of Palace fans uh, related to this pod, is that you'd rather be underperforming than overperforming. Um, Palace have looked very good in the underlying numbers. They are currently uh, seventh and about even with Leicester on underlying numbers, uh, which is very, very good. Um, the performances have been there and the results are going to start coming. That's just how variance works. Uh, regression to the mean, etc. Um, so I'm sure that was extremely disappointing to have happen. Another draw that feels like a loss, etc. Um, but Pals looked good here and Newcastle continue to look shit. Yeah, I mean, this is the story most weeks now, it seems. Um, I mean, look, you're going to, when you lose points to a Callum Wilson bicycle kick, you know, you do sort of have to go, oh, yeah, fair enough. Like, I'm sure that's not what he was saying. But, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, t- a, t- a tough one for Palace to take because they would have targeted this fixture mm-hmm. uh, because everyone should be targeting this fixture except for maybe Norwich. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're playing Newcastle before January, and I am of the opinion that Chuck's got that that not huge money is going to be spent in January. I don't think they're just suddenly going to spend 200 million quid. Um, no, they're going to spend 500 million quid. <laughs> I'm not saying they won't spend it. I just don't think it's going to happen in January. That's all That's all I'm saying. But um, yeah, I, I, it, so it's disappointing for, for Palace because they're going to need to convert these these really decent performances. And they are. They're, they're, they're looking so like an established uh, Premier League team, even though their squad is young and new, you know, they're looking good. And if they can just keep their concentration and stop these late goals happening, they'll be, they'll be laughing. I mean, I've got possession stats here of 73%. Oh yeah. I think when I was texting during it, I think I said that Newcastle had parked a bus and then another bus in front of that bus. They did 100%. fucking zero things. I think at halftime, Palace had like 80% possession or something insane like that. Just a, just an atrocious performance from Newcastle. And I think you're right. I think the performances are going to come. I think they, they just got to try to be patient as difficult as that can be. Um, and one little uh, numbers note to end on here is that the attendance was 24,609. And that is exactly an anagram for 69420. So, you know, <laughs> that's fun. Okay. Wondered where you were going with that. Yep, okay. there it is. Uh, from there, we move to uh, something that will bring Chuck much joy. And that is Brighton 1, Manchester City 4. Uh, another case of the three uh, title favorites really just fucking putting down a performance. All three of them were above 3xG. Uh, Man City 3.9 to Brighton's 1.3. So exactly a 4-1 scoreline on the XG as well fucking dominance from city here and yes it's just brighton but that's not the same thing as saying it's just norwich or even it's just man united brighton are a better team than those two teams and and pep thinks so the the respect pep has for brighton is he's absolutely gushing in his pre and post match whenever it comes to potter or brighton Pep absolutely loves him. He was he was almost apologetic in his post match that he'd won this game. Yeah, I mean Brighton last season were arguably like the fifth or sixth best team in the league. Oh yeah, so they're a Pep type team, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they got fucking smashed by City in this one. Twenty three shots to nine. Um, the possession was actually surprisingly close, fifty two to forty eight. But 
that is just about the only thing that was close at all. Um, Brighton, really, the only category that they won on was fouls. 13 fouls to 7. <laughs> Showing they want it. Showing they want it. Exactly. <laughs> Proper football. Um, I don't know. Do you, do we make much of this? Are we like City are already probably the best team in the world, best team in the league. So like, is this that informative? Just reassuring, I guess, if you're a City fan, like what, what, what's your reaction that's to a, this? That's a, that's a good word. I think reassuring. I mean, in a, in a week when, uh, eyes are elsewhere, you know, Foden had a good game. Grealish had a good game. You know, this was just ticking along, doing exactly what you'd expect. 4-1 four, four is a very very good away win to a team like Brighton have been doing well this season so yeah I don't think it tells us anything but I other than you know Man City aren't gonna aren't gonna give up without a fight are they they're a bit lower down in the table at the minute but they'll yeah where are they in the actual numbers I only ever care about underlying but yeah well they're third they're third at the minute they're two points behind Chelsea oh all right so so they're they're very much there yeah yeah absolutely but it's just it's just they're not top of the tree but they're very much there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They are second on underlying, actually. Damn, Liverpool. Although that performance against United will <laughs> we'll do wonders for your numbers, let's say. Um, and again, we yeah. will get to that, I promise. We're so excited. We're so excited. <laughs> but uh, we should move on to another London derby here. Um, and that is also another situation, actually, of a better team just beating the team they're supposed to beat. And that was West Ham 1, <laughs> Tottenham 0. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but West Ham have been better than Tottenham for quite a while now. Uh, West Ham 1.3 to Tottenham's 0.7, so probably a 1.1. Sneaky result there for West Ham, but um, I don't know, man. West Ham are just better than Tottenham, and then that's just kind of how this played out. That is it. I, I I don't think there's much more to say. This The Harry Kane renaissance has been very short-lived uh, because he was pretty anonymous again. Moyes just has this team, uh, this West Ham team playing really well at the minute and they're just quietly getting on with their business. And I mean, I had I had a bet on West Ham to win and I wasn't ever really too worried about it. I was pretty, pretty convinced that would be the case. I thought that their back four would struggle with Antonio. That's exactly what happened. I think they're they're lightweight in defence this season, mm-hmm. and and when you when you and in midfield and attack as well. Well, yeah, fine, fine, <laughs> but spe- specifically, I, I was just thinking about defence versus Antonio versus any sort of physical forward. I just think the the way he was able to shrug off R- Romero is it? Well, everyone, anyone who tries anyone, to attack yeah, him, any he, all. yeah, he was he was able to shrug them all off incredibly easily, and I don't think it was. I don't think it was ever really in doubt. I, I always fancied West Ham to win this. I think Nuno's quite lucky that other results went the way they did because I think he, I don't know, I think he could have some pressure put on him soon. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that like three weeks ago. So like, Exactly. You know. It's just, it's not happening. And it's just chipping away at uh, uh, him as a manager, I think, the, these sorts of results because it's the sort of result that... Tottenham fans are really not going to be happy with, but they're they're getting used to losing London derbies now, and they're not going to like it. And it's it, the, the the goodwill, the honeymoon period is not going to last forever. No, and I mean honestly, like I I am also trolling, but it is true that West Ham are just a better team than Tottenham. West Ham are currently level with Chelsea on the underlying numbers, tied for third. And Tottenham are currently twelfth for the underlying numbers. And if yeah, I and click, it was true, it was true all last season as well. Yeah, like, if I click back to last season's numbers again by the underlying, 
Uh, let me just count here. West Ham are one place above Tottenham. I think we're looking at a, t- a team in in a real uh, a real uptick in their their form, where they think they should be, what they're aiming for, and a team that seems massively in flux at the minute that will probably lose its well. I say its biggest asset. I mean, he's not really playing at the minute. As you know, he's still got the ability to turn it on. Let's not you know. No one's saying Harry Kane's a bad player, but. You know, you can't. Yet. We can't be happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't be happy with how he's how he's playing at the minute, and it's just odd little spots of, you know, the the old Harry Kane. But you know, Son can't do it on his own. He can't, and he probably, if it carries on like this, how long is it going to be before Son says, "I, I fancy a move as well." Yeah, because you know, elite elite players aren't going to want to play. For this squad forever, unless something happens pretty quickly, and I, and Sonny doesn't have a lot of years left in his prime. Like he's got to make moves. Well, exactly. He's good. He might want his big, big move that will you know set him up for the rest of his life. I mean, he's set up already. But you know what I mean. We all, yeah, we yeah, all yeah, talk yeah. about these players as rich, blah blah blah. But you know, a lot of them look after their families and everything. I never think you should have a go at players for wanting to earn money because often a lot of them are supporting Christ knows how many people. Yeah. Now he always looks absolutely fucking delighted to be playing football and I love Sun so yeah. much. Football is but... life. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's sunny a bit. Massive football is life vibes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I don't know how long it's going to last because if, if, if Kane does go, remember he only said he was staying this summer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Although, how much money are they? they he's losing 50% of his transfer value at this point. Like, yeah, the well, 150 is, you know, point. how much of that was actually on the table or not. But the equivalent, how much of it is actually on the table or not now has to be down to like 100 at most at this point. Like, who's yeah. coming in with that much money for Harry Kane? Especially with City still being really good, even without him being there. Well, that's that's it. They, they, they haven't got a hole to fill, it seems. I mean... You know, we've talked about it before, and I think I think they would be better with an elite striker. But I mean, they're not. Yeah, they're not going to break the bank for someone who's not not really doing anything at the minute. You yeah. know, so I just yeah, I, I it's a weird one because they could play Man United this week and absolutely fucking rinse them, obviously. So yeah. you know, who who knows what Tottenham's going to turn up? But it's who knows yeah. what Man United's going to turn up? Also, well, exactly. Christ, all all bets are off. Yeah. All right, uh, Brentford losing to Leicester. That's a bummer. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I ain't got a lot to say about this other than Brentford. It's just a shame they do. It's moments of inattention uh, with Brentford that sometimes lead to lead to the loss. Um, I mean, you can't legislate for T. Elliman's goal. Did you see that? Oh at all? my god! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the the, oh. the man just is something else. It's, it's the technique he manages to get. I mean, it might be. Uh, you know, within the realms of variance at the minute, but the technique he manages to get on these long shots at the minute, he just seems in. If he's twenty five yards out, it feels like he's more likely to score than not. It's insane. <laughs> it's just yeah. uh, he, he hits them so sweetly at the minute. For any new Premier League fans, any new Americans, Google "thunder bastard" yeah, and oh, then watch well, that goal, and you'll uh, you'll see exactly that's a thunder bastard and a half right there. <laughs> absolutely. Oh. Um, and then, uh, you know, Madison got himself a goal, which will be good for him because he's been very up and down this season. But it, it was a bit of Brentford inattention, I think, defensively. Yeah. And they, they've had that a couple of times. And I think that's 
that's going to be punishing at this level. I very much hope that their attacking play will will keep them in it, and they're not. You know, they certainly don't feel like they're in any danger yet. No, but they're just, like fifth on underlying numbers or something. I don't have that in front of me. Exactly. Me yeah. Tab, so but... they're not in any danger. I I don't think. But it's just yeah. little moments of inattention. If they they might rue those sort of four six points, they might be down because of lost. You know, lost wins or lost draws or whatever. And that's where the inexperience shows. Like, they're a new yeah. team to the league. Like, shit's going to happen sometimes. You just don't have... Yeah. You know, that's what new players all say, too. Like, the pace and the ability to switch off for even a split second is just not there in the Prem. And it is in a lot of other big leagues, yeah. including the championship. So, um, they are, by the way, to confirm, the fifth best team by underlying numbers right now. So Amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. We love it Makes Brentford. Norwich look terrible. Just so bad. <laughs> Brentford make Norwich look terrible. This is Norwich's second time of asking when they should have been, you know, this is when they should have gone up, they say. The, the other year was one year too early for them. This right. is when they should have gone up and they're still doing this and Brentford are making them look terrible. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of looking terrible, that's a perfect transition, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> to Manchester United zero, Liverpool five. Oh my god! Oh, Man United one point six to Liverpool's three point eight on XG. So five zero, a bit of a you know flattering to Liverpool. Let's say uh, perhaps a four two <laughs> would have been more accurate, but <laughs> still a four two. <laughs> Just do you know how fucking much I have to hate your team and the people involved? For me to be smiling after Liverpool scored five goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I I didn't even have to try that hard to convince myself that I was happy about it, that result and everything. It's just like, oh my God. My only concern, to be honest with you, is that this was a bit too much by Liverpool. Fucking control yourselves. Jesus. <laughs> because this might get Ole fired finally? Question mark? Can my voice go any higher there? I was going to say, good Lord. Uh- <laughs> I don't think it will get him fired, and I could. I'm perfectly prepared to be embarrassed. I'll leave this in the edit, whatever happens between now and episode release. But I think if he was going to be fired, it would have happened uh, today. We're recording on Monday. Um, I I think there is a disconnect between the ownership of Manchester United and football, just football generally, the culture, the the fans. Uh, what's involved in you know the the management and coaching of a club and i i don't this isn't like an american thing because i think there's good american owners i don't think there's anything to do with that i think it's to do with who they are and the fact that they put him in because he was cheap and he appeased the fans to begin with and he was the perfect choice post mourinho right now you know that's all fine but you didn't need to give him a permanent long contract. You could have left him as caretaker. You could have given him a one-year rolling contract because he's completely unproven, you know, doing things in the Norwegian league and for Man United's under-12s or whatever isn't isn't the same as the Premier League. And I don't think that they're going to they're gonna pull the trigger on him. I really don't. And I think that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what was happening on the pitch there because how you can't see that that was a team of people who did not know what they were doing did not know what the manager wanted what their jobs were supposed to be is beyond me because it it was ridiculous what was happening in every aspect of the pitch and I, I mean you know you can say oh 
you know, there were goals chalked off. Fair enough, but like it was very odd that, and it's been it's been talked about a lot. It was talked about extensively on on Sky Sports. I don't know if it was on the coverage you were looking at, but the the bizarre like halfway house of pressing they were doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the front that just stretched them out Terrible. to the point where there was so many gaps and. You know, some players were like trying to close down very quickly, but then would be completely isolated. And I mean, it was it was absolutely bizarre. The defect. I mean, wh- why have they brought Maguire back? So sorry, I'm almost getting angry. <laughs> so <laughs> they gave uh, by a contract extension, mm-hmm. and um, instead of like, why do that if? You're going to rush Maguire back when he clearly wasn't ready. He wasn't ready last week against Leicester. So you've got this situation where Shaw is constantly coming across to cover because he's got no confidence in Harry Maguire at the minute at all. I mean, this is a bad thing from Shaw as well because then he's just... I mean, imagine leaving the right side of Liverpool to just attack you. Because you've come across to cover. Why, do they have someone good out there? or uh... Only a couple of players. It's just, okay. you know, only the best player in the world at the minute and Trent. I mean, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> just abs- a bit. It's just insane. The, the whole thing was, if it wasn't absolutely hilarious, which it was, it would genuinely be anger-inducing that someone is stealing a living in the way that Ole is. It's, it's just insane. Your thoughts? <laughs> We've been on this for like seasons, plural. Now the summer of ta- 2019. Remember, we said it was like the summer of vibes mm-hmm. because Arsenal, United, and Chelsea all appointed like club legends because they were in like a bad emotional place and they probably weren't going to be that good anyway. So might as well like try to keep the fans happy. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea have since fired said manager and won the Champions League and look like one of the best teams in the world and Arsenal and United are still riding the vibes train and it's you know going about as good as it's going <laughs> like he's so fucking bad in our preseason pod i said i think united are the third best team or at least they have the third biggest collection of talent and it depends on if ole is enough to get in the way of that or if the talent will show certainly he's not going to add any value there but he's taking value away also very specifically in the form of jaden fucking sancho <sighs> One of the most talented wide players in the world continuing to be benched in favor of, or so that Mason Greenwood, fucking Mason Greenwood, is starting ahead of him. Like, that's just classic right there. You know, like, that's all you need to know about Ole is that he doesn't recognize that Greenwood being played over Sancho is a problem. You know, like, forget about all the tactics, forget about all the other shit, like, just on a basic personnel level, how do you not realize that Jaden Sancho is one of the probably the best player at that club, talent-wise. Well, exactly. If you're going to have a player in that position who doesn't track back, let's at least make it one of the most exciting attacking talents in Europe, you know, at, at the minute. it's it, Having Mason Greenwood there, who is, to be fair to him, he's trying to shoot wildly at every opportunity because that's the only opportunity he gets with he must not be named in the squad. And yeah. it's, you know, him and Bruno were alternating between pressing sometimes pressing the goalkeeper when there was no chance of getting the ball mm-hmm. and like there was no one following up behind so you know no one pressing the defenders that the ball was going to go to so what's the point pressing Virgil van Dijk is the most pointless thing ever it's just <laughs> it, it was just 
utterly, utterly bizarre. I mean, running out the same eleven as played Atalanta. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, no <laughs> tactics, personnel, personality, just a complete and utter failure on every level by OGS. You know, again, for any new American viewers this year getting into the Premier League for the first time, Google clown shoes. Uh, you can probably imagine what that means, but this was a good example of a performance that was absolute clown shoes. But yeah, I mean, I could sit here and just talk shit about United all day long, but I don't really think there's that much interesting to add at this point. Like, I'm sure every other podcast that you guys listen to is just going in on it. It was bad. It was just fucking terrible. I don't want them to go out and sign Antonio Conte, both because they will then potentially be one of the best teams in the league because they have the talent for that. And two, I love Antonio Conte so much from his Chelsea days and I don't <laughs> want to see him at Man United. But I don't think they will because I think he would he will cost an insane amount. It's not just him. It's the coaching staff he will want to bring with him. I think this. I think that if he costs less than $100 million, even if you only end up bringing him in for one or two seasons, because he's not a long-term project kind of guy. He's a come in and fix the teams quick yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. $100 million is the Champions League revenue. Yeah. That's the difference between fourth and fifth. And if he, if Ole is going to cost them fourth place and, and Conte can come in and get fourth place for them, even if he's cost $75 million, they're still in the green on that, right? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. And that's where the Glazers might be convinced to make a move. Because if, if they start, because the media is turned on Ole uh, finally because of the yeah finally exactly I, I obviously don't know what your coverage was like because obviously you have different different coverage uh, it's not like the championship where you just take the Sky Sports feed wholesale <laughs> I imagine you have yeah. your own pundits but um, we do have our own pundits yeah. Yeah. but in our uh, in our coverage they were just really really trying to get Gary Neville to say he should be sacked and he, he was stopping short <laughs> constantly but it was it was a rough 20 minutes for Gary Neville who was well, did he end up coming out and saying it eventually or is he still like hedging his bets there it was a bit yeah it was a bit hedgy it, he was very much sort of going well there needs to be a change in the dressing room but he was trying to then make it like more like mentality or coaching but he was stopping short of saying that Ole should be gone um but he was also scathing of the team you know he was he was clearly absolutely gutted um I mean Alex Ferguson was in the stands puffing out his cheeks and just uh not happy at all you know and they no. did a brilliant cut from Alex Ferguson like a <sighs> like that directly to Kenny Dalglish <laughs> just like cracking up like he was smiling that's amazing. And, like, that's amazing. absolutely delighted it was really was, uh, was Paul Scholes in attendance what was his uh reaction uh, to no he was busy was he off doing other stuff yeah might have been uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, google the Paul Scholes story I don't want to talk about it it's weird but it's, it's really weird <laughs> yeah uh I guess we should praise Liverpool a bit Right, we should. I mean, like fucking five zero, and yep. United as not good as they've been are still by the underlying numbers they're eleventh, yeah, um, which isn't great, but like five zero, they're not five zero against Liverpool. Fucking a man. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but if Liverpool hadn't have then just started passing around like a Sunday down at the park, which is yeah. exactly what you say, like game state effects, you know, it, because of what it was, they could just not not worry. I mean, when when Pogba got sent off. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be absolutely insane now. You know, you could be looking at 8, 9, 10 nil. Yeah. And, but to be honest, Liverpool just conserved their energy, which is fair, fair enough. Fair enough. They just know. had a Champions League match like three days before that. Exactly. So. Exactly. You know. So I don't think much needs to be said about Liverpool. They were, you know, absolutely professional, did the job. Uh, Klopp was trying his best not to celebrate in the post-match interviews and be sort of respectful, but... 
you know, he was absolutely loving it with the Liverpool fans, and why not? Because they were you know, certainly on my coverage, they were out singing Old Trafford for eighty minutes solid. They you were know. specifically singing Ole's at, Ole's the, wheel at the wheel. <laughs> when how do you recover from that? When the like when you're getting fucking wrecked against probably your biggest rival, or they might say City yeah, there. I don't no, know I'd one say, of the two. Yeah, I'd say. And the opposing fans are singing in support of your shit manager in your stadium, while the other oh. half of the stadium is empty because your fans all fucking left. Oh my god, the optics on that! Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think it's important to call myself out when I'm wrong. Uh, because I think not enough podcasters do that, and that's not shade at you or Chuck specifically, but just that the industry in general. Uh, we live in a takes economy. And I did have United <laughs> above Liverpool preseason. Uh, very obviously, that was a stupid call. Um, the reasons for that being that I underestimated the detriment of keeping Ole and overestimated uh, the effect of just United having so much talent. Um, and then also, I was expecting Firmino, Mane, and Salah to drop off because of their age profiles. Yeah. And Firmino has played less, but when you manage his minutes and then he can just play, you know, limited minutes, he comes in and in this game, he was one of the best players on the pitch. Liverpool can bench Mane. And <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> you know I, I mean, mean, yeah, that's how good, that's how much I underestimated how much Jota would yeah. be able to keep them at that level mm. while giving the ability for Mane or Firmino or Salah or whoever to like rest. And then, you know, age is less of an issue when you can manage those minutes. So... Yeah, Liverpool well, are terrifying. Liverpool me too. Are terrifying. I've got to eat my words with Liverpool because I've been, you know, saying I, I don't. Their transfer window didn't go great. Blah blah blah. But I mean, it's it's looking like every time you give Salah the ball, he's going to score. Oh um, God! It's just everyone wants the, wants the ball. Everyone is hungry for it. It's just yeah, it, they're, they're, they are. I'm coming around to you big time. They are pretty scary. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it even a little <laughs> bit. Um, but that is it for the matches. Uh, do you have any producer side stuff? Obviously, Chuck's not here to do quiz or to do predictor league or any of that. Yeah, other than uh, we've got a we've got a new Patreon. Hey, uh, Mike Wellman has come in uh, at the Slacker level. Uh, so that's a two dollar level where you can just show your appreciation for us doing this every week because it is not free unbelievably we have to pay to do this sort of stuff hosting equipment all that jazz and uh, we really appreciate mike coming on board he's not come on the slack yet we need to properly welcome him so uh, mike if you're listening uh, get in touch if you're struggling with the slack link uh, we will resend it to you and uh, then you can get all the fpl chat and uh, anything else that's going on on the Slack. It's DIY a good home projects, food porn, Rocket League. All that Nerdy stuff. talk. We have a lot of different threads going we do. at all times. We do. So, yeah, if you want to join in on that and uh, show any minor appreciation, which we would appreciate massively, it's patreon.com slash milesoffsidepod. Excellent. Um, I guess I'll run us through next week's fixtures in lieu of Chuck being here, and then we can get out of here. Uh, we have Saturday, December. Nope. Damn it. Saturday, October 30 at uh, 7.30 a.m., 4.30 a.m. West Coast, 12.30 noonish <laughs> in the England. And that is Leicester Arsenal. We move on to the 10 a.m. slash 7 a.m. slash 15-ish <laughs> fixtures. And that is Manchester City Palace, R.I.P. Palace. Burnley, Brentford, R.I.P. Burnley. Newcastle, Chelsea. Hope that goes well. Liverpool, Brighton, Watford, Southampton. And then at the 12.30 fixture, the big one, the who can be more shit than each other, 
Derby, and that is Tottenham <laughs> Manchester United on Saturday at the 12:30 slash. What would that be? 9:30 a.m. on the West Coast and 17:30 in the UK. Uh, let's go to Tottenham Manchester United. Who you got in that one? Just give me a little prediction, real quick. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Good luck. Good uh, luck. Over six goals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what is my prediction in Tottenham Man United? I will. I will sit on the fence and go for a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will call it 2-2. I would say 0-0. Just a boring fucking match of two bad teams really? doing nothing. Oh, you think they'll just uh, negate each other? Oh, yeah, they'll so just dull. cancel each other out. Both just looking to. Both are going to go in looking very conservative, hoping to not get embarrassed again and just play out a, a boring 0-0, I think. Oh, that's but, probably true, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Neither <laughs> of them can afford to lose right now. So, yeah. you know. Uh, moving on, then, we have Sunday Halloween, Spooky Days, uh, and that is at the 10 a.m. Oh, fuck. Do the clocks change? Are we changing clocks this weekend and you're not? Or are oh, you changing we must be. Not? Yeah, that must change to a four-hour time difference, yeah. Uh, I hate that. Damn it. I hate... There's like a couple of weeks where the times are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Fucks really me fucks up. fucks with our pod recordings, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Next... Oh, game week 11, we're playing at 11 instead of 10. What kind of 11 a.m. kickoffs? I hate that shit. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to be back together till uh, November 20. Oh, no. Oh, well. The next two weeks are going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, Norwich Leeds and Villa West Ham. Speaking of spooky matches, <laughs> not good fixtures. Uh, Villa going to get dicked by West Ham and Norwich are going to get dicked because they're Norwich. Um, and then there's a Monday match bleeding into November. And that is at 16, which is 2 p.m. No, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Slash 1 p.m. West Coast <laughs> slash 20 o'clock UK. Chuck is going to be absolutely apoplectic with rage about how this has gone. <laughs> I know. Uh, Wolves, Everton. Um, Everton to beat Wolves there? Uh, look, you'd hope so, because you'd hope they'd come back with a reaction to that because it was a bit embarrassing. So, yeah, you would you would hope that uh, Benitez would whip them into shape for that game. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week then. Uh Thank you for joining us. We have been miles offside. Uh, if if you came back to listening, leave a review, five stars, join us on Patreon, all that sort of stuff. Spread the good word. Uh, Ian, say goodbye. Yep. Thanks to uh, Mark, Andy, Nate, and Johnny. They are our producers. They make this all happen to a tremendous degree with their generous donations. Uh, thanks very much, Oscar. See you later. Bye. And uh, bye, Chuck. Hope you're having fun eating cannolis. <laughs>